Hey, hey friends. friends, it's Davion, it's Bruce, and, and this, this is Oh, That's, that's My Gay, gay friend. friend, episode number 77. Hey, husband, how are you today? I'm good, husband, how are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. Amen and amen. Welcome, friends, to another wonderful episode of Oh, That's My Gay Friend, brought to you by New Year's 2024. Let's go. Happy New Year, everyone. Yay. We hope you spent your New Year and your New Year's Eve um, with family, friends, and had a great time. It's a new year, new season, newness that's going to happen. So, But we have an old remedy coming up because you know what time it is. It's time to gather your cocktail. And as you gather your libation, we'll tell you our selection for today. And also tell you how our week has been going. So, husband, I see you have nothing except mm, for water. I have water. It, I... I am tired. I, we just ate <laughs> breakfast. I don't. I have the itis. I'm hanging on by a thread, as are you. Listen, but um, I need hydration. Like I need hydration. So what are you drinking? I am having a mimosa for the people because it's the brand new year and the first episode of 2024. So that's friends out there. We hope you have your libation ready. Let's go ahead and raise these glasses to a wonderful episode. Here we go. Clink, 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 clink. Mm-hmm. Mm. How's that mimosa treating you? It's doing me oh so right this morning. Perfect. Listen, how was your New Year's Eve? And how was your week been going so far? Uh, New Year's Eve was great. It was super chill, super low key this year. We didn't actually talk about plans or anything officially, really, until like the day of. <laughs> like, uh really weighing the options of things and just came to an understanding and agreement that we were going to bring in the new years here with the pups, make some good food, um, and drink some champs. So my new year's Eve for me was perfect because I personally hate being outside for new year's Eve, unless it's a dinner party or a house party because it's amateur hour. It's dangerous. Everything is surcharged restaurants. You go to, any day of the year, the prices are gouged through the roof. Right. Um, it's dangerous to drive. So, of course, all of the Ubers and Lyfts are 50 times more than what they usually are. So, and it's just not worth it. And you're usually cold. <laughs> you're usually, wherever you go, you're usually cold or wet. And it's not the best situation. Um, as for my week, the week has been chill. It, it was another week of... No work. Um, uh, I got through it. I managed. Kept myself busy. Took down the tree. Yeah, can't complain. What about what say you? Um, like you said, our New Year's Eve was great. I say this all the time, and I'm gonna say it again for this year. But we are going somewhere next. The end of this year for New Year's. Like I need to be somewhere. I need to be out. We've been home like the last three. Years. Well, last year we were at home. We weren't. No, we were at your cousin's. Oh, down the street, still don't like home. But either way, I need to. I need to be in these streets. But it was. It was a good time. We had a, a nice time, and the week has been a weekend. It is cold, colder than the witch's tit out here in LA. I don't know what happened. Climate change is real, but and I'm temp- typically hot all the time. But it's been getting cold, and our house does not hold heat, and the heat has been running, and you have been walking around with your house coat, 
you wrote me, you asked me to get one, and I'm like, that's just, it's not 1920s for me. I just, I would be irritated with wearing a robe all the time. But see, this is what he's leaving out, guys. So he likes to blast the heat and walk around blast. basically naked. Now, it, during the summer months, we complain when it's like 80. So if it's 80 in the winter, I just... I don't know. Just put on a shirt. <laughs> like just, like just put on a shirt. And because for me, it's easier. It's way easier to warm up than it is to cool off. Yeah. So that's why I am not a fan of turning on the heater because I actually love the the comfort and coziness of putting on my robe and just walking around the house or sitting, you know, on the couch with a blanket. I like that cozy feeling. But when the heat is on and you want to strip down, like I. I hate that feeling in summer. I hate it in winter. Um, but that's your jam. You like it tropical. Yes, very tropical type of Negro. But um, that really has been the week. Oh, ding dong, the witch is dead, baby. The person that LA County Department of Mental Health has appointed to be over, um, to supervise over people in my unit is gone. So. We had a celebration. So I say that to say work is going to be great now um, until we have a new person that they appoint in that position. But I'm, I'm just happy. You know what I'm saying? All Sade. She had to go. It was time. She had to go. So friends out there, thank you for your thoughts and prayers <laughs> regarding that situation. If you too find yourself in a situation where you need someone removed from your life that is part of your employment, um, Send it to God. Like, put a prayer out there. Do a prayer list. Write it on a piece of paper. Put it in a stir it away somewhere. Make a wish. But it will, it will, it will come true for you too. So, um, yeah. So that's, let's get into that's, these that's been the week. <laughs> topics. Yes, but baby, um, I don't think our week has has started out just like this next person we're about to talk about because he is starting out twenty twenty four. With a fucking bang, and we are only six days into this year, and he decided to go on Shannon Sharp's Club Shay Shay and give the world um, his opinions about things that he's telling secrets and all of the things that the kids have talked about before Illuminati, and it's now out there. And this show had five point three views in one day when he did five point three million. 5.3 million views in one day. I'm not sure where, where it is now, but we're talking about Cat Williams. Comedian, comedy legend, five foot four, Cat Williams. Baby, did you check the interview? I, I implored you to watch it because I said, now it's about two hours and 46 minutes long, but within this two hours and 46 minutes, you get so much good material. Listen, the tea, my teacup had run it over. How did you feel when you listened to his, I'm not going to say, um, his exposed in Hollywood? That's what it was, basically. It, it kind of felt like a manifesto of sorts. <laughs> I put it on in the background while I was taking down the tree because I there was no way I could sit down and give it my full attention for that fucking long. It damn near is as long as Oppenheimer. <laughs> and I just, my attention span wouldn't allow me. But from what I heard, it was a very, very entertaining interview. I 
really i he has a really great ability of uh to tell a story as do many comedians right right but i was thoroughly entertained i the only part i hated was whenever shannon would go back and ask him questions about his personal life it was like i don't give a shit about his childhood (laughs) i don't care about him and his daddy like get back to the illuminati thing baby so I had to do my homework assignment of writing the topics down that he talked about, and it was several. And I actually, I actually listened twice. The first time I was in the office and had colleagues around me, and we had this shit blasted, and we were gagged within nine minutes of listening to this interview. And I'm just going to run down the list of the things he talks about, and then we'll talk about it amongst ourselves. And friends, if you guys did listen to the, if you did listen to the interview, please go to our IG page, put in the comments what was the most outrageous or shocking moment for you listening to his interview in the comments and let us know we can talk about it. So he starts off with Ricky Smiley. He goes in on Ricky Smiley. Um, Cedric the Entertainer he talks about Steve Harvey, Tyler Perry um, Ice Cube, the whole next Friday uh, entity of, of how Ricky Smiley made comments about he was supposed to be the actual pimp and not the Santa Claus um, Earthquake, the comedian Earthquake talks about how he can't fucking read um, Kevin Hart, Tiffany Haddish Mark Curry um, <laughs> he mentions the fact that these gentlemen and either the Illuminati or the, the, I'll say, Holy Trinity of the three, which is uh, Ricky Smiley, Cedric, and Steve Harvey. And some other people he mentioned, um, how they have light-skinned wives who have funny faces. Um, mm-hmm. He talks about him and Ludacris being invited into the Illuminati and them having to make a deal um, <laughs> that one had to either shave their head or, or, and also shave their, their, their beards. Mm-hmm. In order to receive um, ten million dollars for per ten either film or something like that, yeah. which equals to a hundred million dollars, um, he talks about how Cedric Cedric has several um, comedy shows or, or or entertainment things that he's variety shows he's done, but nothing is on Netflix or, or Tubi. He talks about. Faison, Love, uh, R. Kelly, Michael Jackson, Puffy, and of course T- Bishop T.D. Jakes with their newness going on with the Puffy um, wanting boys booty holes and things allegedly. This is all what Cat Williams said, so I'm just saying, repeating what he said. <sighs> that was a lot. The, me me yeah. reading the list was a lot, so listening to him go in, and he was throwing Sade everywhere. I mean, I think who got it the the worst? He said that Ricky Smiley and Tyler Perry are best suited to wear dresses because they can't even pull off acting a man, being a man in real life. He said that he put in his contract the next time to work with Ricky Smiley, he Ricky Smiley needs to be in a dress, and he said the next film that they did after. Next Friday, or Friday after next, was, um, oh my God, the church movie. Can't think of the name of it, but Ricky Smiley was in the dress. Like, the shit he said, I completely believe him. I, I too, like you, when he starts to talk about his personal life, saying how by the age of three and seven, he read like 
uh, 3,000 books a year or some shit. I highly doubt that. It could be true. Because yeah. he was using some words. I was like, okay, I never knew you probably knew that type of word, you know? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, it's certain things, it, it, it didn't seem like that could be your life, but it's like, I, I, it's it can be questionable. Yeah. Did you find yourself thinking that same thing when he talked about certain things in his personal life? Uh, absolutely. That's when I was like, okay, you okay, stop talking. Okay, you're get back to the get back <laughs> to the celebrities because he was affecting the legitimacy of what he was saying in regards to you know Hollywood when he would bring up shit about his personal life and right. you know saying how basically he was a genius <laughs> he yeah, was a prodigy it always went back to him being better than the next person yeah it was like okay very narcissistic in a, um, a little bit it was like alright so um you just didn't you never did anything wrong <laughs> got <laughs> right. it right so you know um yeah that that's just what it was um, again. If you have two hours and forty six minutes to give <laughs> to this, it's gagalicious. I mean, Shannon Sharp was just saying you you don't need no more alcohol. He's like, this is not alcohol. This is truth. Like you know, when God's people come to come to and want to talk about the truth, people want to run. You know, and he did mention something that was very interesting. He said he wanted to be best friends with God. I was like. Hmm. I don't know how to take that, sir, because that seems like a God complex. Like that seems like very grandiose type of thinking, um, and that for me is indicative of some type of mental health kind of component. Because a lot of people who think in that way typically kind of have a diagnosis of, along the line of bipolar disorder, and that way, and also sometimes. Could, and also, along with schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder, like I'm just that's just some traits to look at. But go ahead. That's the thing that I w- was surprised that wasn't touched on in the damn near three hour interview was his perceived mental breakdown that happened years ago when he was having that comedy special, not a comedy special, but he was actually doing a comedy show, yeah, uh, a live show. And he just started like rambling and speaking nonsense so much to the point where people start leaving and walking out. And it was one person that recorded the whole thing. And of course, it got to the Internet. But he was very insistent during this current interview that he's never done hard drugs. Right. But there is footage out there that many would perceive of him being on hard drugs. So. If you've never done heart drugs, then it must be something mental that, you know, caused Aspect this. There. Yeah, that caused this type of uh, breakdown. But has, is, it, is there footage of him actually doing a hard drug or it just it appears like he looked like someone who may have dabbled with it? It looked like, have you ever seen the video of him on stage, like kind of? It, it seemed more like a mental breakdown. Okay. And but, was, I don't think I ever saw that video. Uh, it, yeah. It, but my thing, it's like, it, it was something. <laughs> it was something. It just, it <laughs> wasn't just happened. another Thursday night. Yeah. Uh, so I would have loved if Shannon actually, like, addressed that or brought that up to the forefront uh, to get more um, insight on that considering he was giving insight on everybody else's business he really was and 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 he was he never stumbled and he always again presented with facts and the things that's like 
this makes sense. Or mm-hmm. by him telling the story and justifying, it was like this could be cross referenced and it seemed like it, it was by several people, you know. His allegations were not far fetched. No, by no means. Um and so <laughs> I am just waiting for the people who were named to come back and respond. Now Trick Daddy, um, we know him from Miami, uh eight oh five Day County. He responded on his IG and he mentioned basically like Cat Williams, keep my pussy keep my name out your pussy ass mouth for some shit. I don't remember Cat talking about Trick Daddy. In this. I don't either. I was like, damn, was that <laughs> was like, was uh, unaired footage? Is the right. interview actually over three hours and we just don't know? Is that the director's cut? Yeah, I was trying to figure out where did he say Trick at? Um, but apparently Trick must have heard his name somehow. And he, you know, put a thread out there. He's like, you know, I'm a street nigga. I ain't, I ain't with the Hollywood shit. So we'll see how Cat William responds to that if he actually responds to that. But the girls were shook the girls are shooketh it was definitely a, a sound waves heard throughout the industry yes. uh, this cat williams interview so yeah that was that that was that on him and then there was some other controversy that kind of happened not kind of happened but it happened prior to 2024 but we didn't have a chance to talk about it but we felt like it's such a really good story we wanted to give you guys input on this subject. So, Simone Biles and her husband, um, Jonathan Owens. There you go. There was some backlash to him because he basically stated that he didn't know who she was prior to the meeting online on, on the celebrity edition of, let's say, Tinder. And that he also felt that he was the prize. Mm-hmm. So, you want to tell the people about the story? Uh, you basically just did. Well, I thought, I think was, no, I thought there was more to it. I don't know everything about it. I thought there was a little more to it. Like, that he said some other shit. I thought you had that. That's no, was, he okay. literally said he what you just said right, verbatim. Yeah. And uh, I guess the controversy surrounding uh, what people have perceived those statements as being controversial is the fact that, one, she is Simone the Biles, the best uh, gymnast in the history of gymnastics. And she is a multiple Olympic gold medalist. Yes. So people are like, nigga, you knew who exactly she was. You may have, you may not have known her name because, right. yes, there are people out there that may not follow the Olympics and especially gymnastics. But you know her face because she's been plastered all over news because, again, she's a record-breaking gymnast. Yeah. She's been on a Wheaties box. Several. Several. And the fact that a lot of people felt negatively about a man saying that he is the prize in the relationship. So a lot of people were saying, like, Simone, girl, he ain't good enough for you. He ain't right. Um he got you out here looking crazy. Essentially the same energy they've been giving to uh, Haley ba- uh, Hallie Bailey uh, and her uh, boyfriend, DDG, who is like an Instagram rapper. But basically a lot of people <laughs> feel like these ladies are dating down, like below their weight class. Okay. And these gentlemen are in fact the lucky ones so when uh jonathan you know said in an interview like he thought that he was the catch in the relationship uh the internet came for him 
So what are your feelings about someone in a relationship stating that they're the prize in general? And do you, in fact, agree with Mr. Owens that he is the catch out of these two? So I feel the reason I can I'm going to justify his reason for saying that. And once you hear it, it will make sense to you, especially if you went to school with dudes like this. So he's what? Six two, six four. He's over six feet. Let's just give it that. Let's sure. say six four. Okay. On a good day, right? And he's light skinned. He's cute. So for him, working for something isn't hard. He's always had girls tell him he's cute. He's had grown ass women tell him he's cute, probably since he was a little kid. So for him, in his mind, he is the prize. And so, because he doesn't have to work hard for pussy. So for it, he is the bad bitch. He's, yeah, he's that, yeah, he's that girl, and so, and and so that's the reason why I say that is just he feels I've never had to work hard for that. I never had to put a lot of energy to get a girl to talk to me or get a number or get the panties or what have you. So of course he's like, "This like, yeah, I'm the fucking prize." Like you know what you bring into the table, and it's sad that there are men out there like that. Um, you know, I think that each person in the relationship brings something that is great to that relationship and whether they're, you know, differences make you better. Right. Um, and so I just think that he is resting on his laurels and that's, that's why he made, that's why he made the statement he made. And yes, Simone Biles, we know, is the fucking goat of the gymnastic world. And sir, you are lucky to have even had her look at you, let alone want to accept the date from you. So that's how I feel about it. I, I think that if you look at the interview, when he's saying these things, he's like clearly smiling and laughing and being very light about it and i think that is because there's clear irony in his statements it, it it really is and when you know you talk about things that are ironic you can kind of lean into the comedy of that so then he was just joking i he absolutely was joking okay. again if you watch the interview he it, there when he made these statements there wasn't a serious bone in his body <laughs> like <laughs> Like he was being he was being light and airy about it. One, I don't think that there's wrong with being confident in yourself and thinking that you bring something to a relationship and not necessarily just saying, "Oh, thank God, this person's with me." I don't know how I pulled her. <laughs> uh, no, like it's okay to be like, "Yeah, I look good. I'm a good person. I'm a catch." <laughs> um, so I don't know why people decided to read so much into it. He, you know, listening to him speak and he just doesn't seem like a person that is on watching CNN and being up on his current events to know, you know, she was killing the game at right. the Olymp at two separate Olympics. Like, he just doesn't strike me as that current event type of person. He probably, you know, just doing two a days his whole life and practicing to be uh, high paid. Sports. I'm telling you, he got the Alaskan nigga syndrome. I'm telling you, and that, he's, he's he, and, and honestly, everything, in, everything you said about that makes complete sense, and it 
I can I can see that. Like when you don't have to work hard for anything, yeah. you don't really you know, you're not going to cherish it or speak props to it in a public forum. He um yeah, he seems like the type of nigga that's like, I'm a bad bitch. <laughs> and I'm that nigga. So yeah, I I think people just they're clearly in love and happy. Uh if you look at her Instagram there's nothing but smiles on both ends. So they clearly think they both the catch. They called each other. I wish them nothing but great sex and workout sessions. There you go. That's all I got for them. That's all we got for them. So this next story is not an official one, but uh, some gossip that I heard on the Twitterverse that actor Coleman Domingo who is currently acting as Mr. in the color purple. Uh, we reviewed that last week. Yes. And he also was in the Netflix movie um, Ruffin. Ruffin, to yes. which he Amazing is nominated job. for a Golden Globe for. Uh, he is apparently the top contender to take on the role as Kang the Conqueror in the Marvel verse. This is the same role that has just recently been lost. Uh, by the black man who couldn't keep his hands to himself. Uh, what was it? Jonathan Majors. So, my question to you is... He kept his hands to himself. It's just someone put their hands on his property. He wanted to get the stuff back. That's all. Go ahead. Well, not by That's law. Not by the law. That's not by the law's definition, but sure. That's how it started. <laughs> sure. Um... But what are your thoughts? Do you think that Coleman is an actor that you can see portraying this villain since you've seen Jonathan Majors in the role already? Um, no, because you when you that's the difficult part when you have certain type of films and they you experience a, a particular actor in this role already, so your mind's already set for that. So then when they switch it up. Like they did on Viv and, and Fresh Prince of Bel Air. It's like, wait, what? Like, my mind, you know, our brains can't compute that way. We want the original person back. So, I think that the recasting, it, it will be a good look for him. I mean, it's it's a definite uh, secure back that he will not fumble. Right. Um, and also, I think it would show great. It would be great for um, because he's a black man, part of the LGBTQIA plus community. So that would be um, two points at it for him uh, and for Marvel. But is there any other character they can like use in the comic world to kind of come to take the place of Kang? Because that's your world. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. know too much about that. Mm -hmm. But you know, because can we can we just be done with this character and, and use a different character for some other shit? Um, I think that that would be easier said than done because again, this character scripts for for like five future movies oh, have, are, have okay. are revolved being around this character. Oh, well. Like he literally, the fifth Avengers movie is called the Kang Dynasty. <laughs> so the whole movie is about him. So, and yes, there are several other villains who I would prefer to be. In the forefront, but so many man hours have already went to dedicating an entire cinematic universe to this character. So 
the easiest thing would be recasting. The easiest and cheapest thing would be recasting this character. Um, I don't. I also, I also think because Jonathan was younger than uh, oh, Domingo. Domingo, he doesn't look look like a spring chicken. And he for looks me, forty plus maybe. Well, he, he is. Okay. He is. But the thing is, for me, I actually think that goes into his favor. Like, I don't need every superhero or every villain to look like they just fresh got out of college. Because that's not practical. Especially for a villain. I would like to see an older villain with some experience. Uh, you know, just look a bit more intimidating on screen. My thing with Jonathan Majors, I just never... He is an attractive man, but I just never bought him as Kang because... Oh, you didn't? I, I never did because he's one, he's just short. He's like 5'9". And like all the superheroes pretty much tower over him. I just never got that intimidating factor from that character the way I did from Thanos. Like with Thanos, it was like, yeah, he about to fuck some shit up. But with Kang, it was like, I don't, I'm not really buying this. I mean, but can't they extend his, like, Thanos isn't that large in person. So can't they just extend his body? Like, can't they modify? No, because he's gotten fired. Let it go. <laughs> like, Jonathan, he, it is official. Jonathan has been dropped. Well, There's nothing I, yeah, that no, they I can got, do I got that anymore with saying, that I'm man. Just saying, like, Sorry someone... to that man. Um, <laughs> I actually think Coleman would be perfect. He clearly has the range. This man can act his ass off. And I'm very curious to see what he can do. Um, especially if he wins this Golden Globe for Ruffin. I know Marvel is going to be all over him because they love snatching up award-winning actors to, you know, Please make them, yeah, to be like a superhero in a movie for 15 minutes. They love, they love doing that. So yeah, I, I, I honestly don't have that much interest in it. I mean, if he gets it, great, I'll see it. But I mean, I, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. I was, I was thinking maybe if there were if there were some other names that was thrown out, maybe I can have something to compare to. Mm -hmm. But are there other names besides Domingo that was being talked about or No, not, not seriously um not seriously from studios, oh, okay, but sorry. other people, you know, random ass folks at their uh well, like Michael two No. because uh, he's already been in a Marvel movie. Okay. But the one I brought up Eldis Hodge, I brought up, I think, like two episodes ago. Um, he was in, Shaz not Shazam, he was in the rock one, uh, Black Adam. Black Adam? Yeah, he was Bird. Oh, the black dude. The black yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, like, there's been names thrown out, but I think Coleman has been the serious contender that has been thrown around. But uh, that's that on that. Well, we'll see. We'll so, talking about listing things, though, Rolling Stones decided to put a list out of what the top 100 songs of the 21st century? The top 100 RB songs oh, of me. the 21st century. Now, every oh, year around this time, every year around this time, Rolling Stone comes out with a bullshit ass list. If you remember, I think it was last year, we talked about their list that they yeah, had the 100 best vocalist right. uh, of all time and that list was hilarious. Celine Dion wasn't on the list. Let's just leave it right. at that. We have an entire episode named Celine. <laughs> because of it. So I will not go over all 100 songs. I will only go over the top 10 100 songs. Now I will specify this before I tell you this. Uh, the songs on this list. 
it was only of the 21st century. So that means the year 2000 to now. So if you think of a song and it's before 2000, don't even say it because it wasn't it wasn't in contention. So here's the top 10, starting with number 10. Full Moon by Brandy came out in 2002. Number nine is Bag Lady by Erica Badu. It came out in 2000. Number eight is Ordinary People by John Legend, 2004. Mm hmm. Number seven is Fallen by Alicia Keys. That came out in 2001. Number six is Thinking About You by Frank Ocean. Came out in 2012. Number five is We Belong Together by Mariah Carey. Came out in 2005. Number four is Be Without You by Mary J. Blige. That came out in 2005. Number three is Dangerously in Love 2. By Beyonce, that came out in 2003. Number two is Untitled, How Does It Feel? By D'Angelo, that came out in 2000. And number one, Confessions Part One by Usher, that came out in 2004. So, in their opinion, the best R&B song since the year 2000 until now has been Confessions Part One by Usher. What say you? They're on some bullshit. <laughs> now, this is coming from an Usher fan. You're a very big Usher fan. I'm an Usher fan, but that's not the best fucking song of, of, of the 21st century of, of R&B songs. The top song, Confessions? Like, no. We're, no, 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 no. There's so many problems with that damn list that you mentioned. Like, there's so many good fucking songs out there. From two, like, no. Yeah, it like who 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 are on the committee for this shit? Like, just, I want I want pictures when they put this. <laughs> right, they put the people pictures up there, also with their social media tags, so we can communicate with them. Yeah, it is just a bunch of Rolling Stone employees and I guess reviewers that come together and and put these songs together together um but more importantly how do you feel because you are a music kind of sort so you see this list and that again music is your thing how did you feel reading this list oh got my blood pressure up uh, <laughs> like they do every year i honestly think they just do it to get to ruffle feathers and to get attention um because it just it truly doesn't make sense i looked at the whole list i can't give you everyone's position uh, but I will give you some ones that s- popped out in my mind as okay. a, a, extremely egregious. Uh, when I See You by Fantasia came in at 33, which I think is top 10 material. Uh, a Long Walk by Jill Scott. That kind of be in the top 10. 49. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jackson's You Rock My World came in at 20. Says no one. If anything, <laughs> if anything, butterflies I was like, well, should have been I was higher. literally thinking about what happened to butterflies. It was not even I on the list. I literally thought it and you said it before I could speak it. It was literally not on the list. This, is, because you have to think about it. 2000, that was on the ground floor, the precipice year of Neo Soul. Flow where, yes. Where it was my personal favorite era of R&B ever. Like you got the... 
Maxwell, D'Angelo, Jill Scott, Angie Stone, Erica Badu, like that entire India Ari, like that entire yes. generation of R and B, and literally the only representation of that from this in this top ten was Erica Badu, Bag Lady, arguably her weakest song she's ever made. Like it was cute, yeah, but no. <laughs> and I guess Tyrone would have qualified because that's yes, it, it, it wouldn't qualify. But still, she window seat. She still has so many songs, even just from that Mama's Gun album. I would have picked before Bag Lady. But anyway, yeah, and wow. and Frank Ocean. I just need people in 2024 to stop sucking his dick <laughs> as hard as they do. Like, yes, he can write a song, but thinking about you. Number six, I don't no, just. I, no. I, it was a banger at that time in that moment, but it's moved on. We've moved on from I, but it. We moved on from him because he's not doing shit. He's, he's not putting anything out. So I still don't think that song is better than "Fallen" by Alicia Keys or "Ordinary People" by John Legend. And the fact that the song of the decade per <laughs> Billboard act and actual sales is what. Mariah Carey's We Belong Together was the song okay. of an entire decade. And the fact that that shit came in at number five, <laughs> like, I honestly think that was the number one song because yeah. it. Everyone was singing We Belong Together. Everyone. Still to this day. Everyone. Still yeah. Everyone. I think, honestly, if you take out any biases, if you prefer, if you prefer Mariah, if you don't, like, you got to give that song the credit that. No, it was an amazing song. It amazing do, it, song. It's due. And yeah. for it to come in at number five behind fucking Beyonce Dangerously Love 2. Like, what? And Dangerously Love is, that's, I don't think that song, it's a, it's a cute song, but it's not one of her great songs of, if anything, it would have been. Me, myself, um, and I. Me, Me myself, myself, and I. Or, or the um the first one she came out with her. I can't even think the fucking. Um, Crazy in Love. Crazy in Love. It this I mean and Full Moon at number ten is dis, is blasphemous. <laughs> I think Full Moon should have been at number five. Now I will say Brandy album that was that was after this year or that was a Full Moon album. That was the Full Moon. Album. Full Moon. Yeah, I'm trying to see which one was the one that I really fucked with. Going to the club, it had to be um, Aphrodisiac. Aphrodisiac, that was the one. But Full Full Moon is great. It's a it's a great piece of work. Full Moon is the best yeah. Brandy song. For me, arguably, could be one of the best uh, Brandy songs ever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this list was uh, full of <laughs> funnies. Yeah, the list was full of funnies. Full of funnies. Uh, but speaking of lists, you want to talk <laughs> about listen. the most notorious list from this Maybe week. So, Cat Williams, <laughs> Cat Williams out trumped um, a Trump that went to the island of, of Jeffrey Epstein. So his Jeffrey Epstein list has come out. It's a 900-page document that's been unsealed. We did not read all nine, 900 pages. I don't think anyone has besides Sonny on The View. But there's some high-profile names of people who have went to his island or been on, on his private jets. Now, we have to say this. Just because someone went to or were in company of him on an island, private, on the jet, doesn't mean that they engage in any type of sexual deviancy or anything that had to do with children or minors. Or the illegal activity. Yeah, any legal activity. So just the fact that they 
have it to be on the ledger when you fly, especially when you fly PJ, they have to put they put people's names down the ledger who is the guest. Um, but these names that have came out are Andrew or Prince Andrew from you know the um, royal family, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, David Copperfield, John Cooney, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, Al Gore, Stephen Hawkins. Um, Michael Jackson. I'm trying to say names. Sorry, excuse me. So I'm trying to say names that we all know. Kevin Spacey, George Lucas, Kate Blanchett, Naomi Campbell, Bruce Willis, Bill Richardson, Cameron Diaz. So yeah, so those are a few names of people that have been on either the island or have traveled with him on his PJ. This is another 25 pages that's about to be released in a few days. But what did you think about hearing or now having confirmed that these people did actually go to his island? What did you think about that? I mean, I don't give a shit who went to the (laughs) island. I just need to know who did illegal shit. Like, I don't care. Like, he's. He had pictures with literally almost every celebrity. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so it's like, you know, of course people associated with him. And some knew, some didn't, I'm sure. But I don't need to know who, what celebrity he's ever, like, spoke to or shaken their hand. Like, I need to know, I need some, you know, actual facts to start coming out. Yeah. Like, tap me on the shoulder when that happens. <laughs> Yeah, I, I and that may or may not happen in the second um, exposure or the, the second list that come out with people, especially um, with uh, uh, Jane Doe, I think number 10. This was Jane Doe number 10 giving her testimony. And so, as John Public will be able to see the list. So, we'll see what happens when it comes out. But um, right now, we're going to go to our favorite segment, Have You Ever Wonder Why?, and because it's a holiday just passed, we're going to have our holiday edition of it. So have you ever wondered why people leave their Christmas lights up past Christmas, like six months later, or even to the point where it's an entire year later, and then they just plug them back up and <laughs> Merry Christmas to you? My thing is, it doesn't have to be done right after Christmas. I actually say cool it until the new year. Okay. Uh, and that's what I did. I take it down, what? It's going to be, when you hear this, the 6th. I took it down, what, the 4th? Right. Um, which I think is enough time. I think it should be taken down the week after New Year's. Uh, New Year's. Give it seven days. Seven, seven's ending, eight for new beginnings. So either seven to eight days, I feel like that's a, um, enough time mm. to, like you said, bring in the new year. Say Happy New Year to people still, because I'm going to say Happy New Year until about February. Like, if I see you, hey, Happy New Year to you, because I'm happy to see you, and for you to have made it into this year. So, but, yeah, uh, growing up, my mom would keep our lights up, not six months after Christmas, but maybe like two. She wouldn't plug them up, but they'll just be up, and I'm like, okay, then I had to take them down. Yeah. Um, being lazy. Uh, but yeah, you know, seven days, that's cool because there's a, there's a tradition that happens. Um, it's more of a New Orleans, I want to say New Orleans situation where the, or maybe Spanish culture also a Catholic, um, 
looks like a holy cake and they cut the slices of the cake mm-hmm. and they try to find the baby or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, I can't think of the name of what that cake is called, but even that, they, they do that, I think, on day seven or eight. So that kind of culminates the whole New Year situation. So mm-hmm. that's all. Well, friends, let us know when you think it is an appropriate time to take down your Christmas tree decorations and lights. You can hit us up on Oh That's My Gay Friend at, at gmail.com or let us know on our Oh That's My Gay Friend Instagram. And we will, you know, read it on the show next week if you give us some good, uh, juicy dates. So, Right. So right now we're going to come back with the reality roundup. BRB. Be right back. All right, guys, we are back with the reality roundup. And this week we are going to start with the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yes, we've picked back up uh, New Year, same shit, with uh, the fight between Denise and Erica. And this episode actually is called Relentless Erica because she told the girls she gave up lit for she gave up fighting with them for Lent, but clearly now Lent is over and Denise came with the smoke and Erica answered. <laughs> so um I think the best thing in this situation was how Erica was still so calm and reading the eyes out of Denise motherfucking Richards. And you know I love me a Den- uh, Denise Richards, but she just seemed so out of pocket of the things she was kind of talking about with Erica and her, or, or I guess her reasoning or or just the beef. It's like it's three to four years old. She weren't. She wasn't talking about your daughter specifically having a threesome. She just saying like the kids in general, that, general, that age. Like if they don't know what a threesome is, they should now. They 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 probably do, and that they have it, and they probably done one. That's all it was. I mean, so. But I get it. Kids are off limits, blah, blah, blah. But I think that this is a pure example, Denise is at least, of you don't have beef, you just want beef. Yeah. And she just wanted to have beef with someone. She wanted to, I feel like the producers put jumper cables on her and was like, okay, we need this to be good. We called you and Camille out here and we need you guys to bring it because the ladies, they're just not giving it to us. So Denise, you know, popped a pill or two, took a shot, and like stumbled out of the truck and could only think of the shit that happened. You know, with this group of girls, she only really had beef. In this group, she could only, this current group of ladies, she could only think of beef with one of them that she had. And that was, unfortunately, with Erica. Well, unfortunately for her, because... Erica eviscerated her, and I don't even feel bad because it's like if you want to start shit, at least you know, at least do your homework and come with receipts or be ready to go back and forth. Like Denise yeah. was not prepared; she wasn't. And Eric, it was like you wanted this. I didn't want to do this. I don't want to fight. And so Denise kind of retreated. Said, I didn't want to fight either. But it's like, well, then why bring this up at this juncture? Like, and the way that you brought it, you know what yeah. you did. And Erica, yeah. like, I don't like. Erica, I actually give props to Erica because it could have been so much worse. So much worse. But also, it was it, it's funny to see how Kyle interjected herself or 
not necessarily count, but I think it was Garcelle kind of. It was Garcelle because what happened was shit. after it, dis- it dissipated and Erica, I think, left, Kyle said to Denise, like, yeah, family, kids should be off limits. Family should be off limits like that. That, right. that was then, aggressive. And, and then Garcelle was like, well, why didn't you say that yeah. when Erica was here? Yeah. And Kyle completely spazzed out and was like, uh, if we can play the every man game for himself, every man for himself game with me, then we can play with everybody else. And I completely agree with Kyle on 100 fucking 10%. Like, yes, you're not going to do this with me. Like, don't just point me out. Like, y'all just stick up for me for my shit, so fuck it. Yes. There we go. And this episode is not a good lift for Garcelle. Garcelle's getting a little messy, a little sloppy here. We'll get onto that more later. Uh, but this episode mainly was the episode of sit-downs. A lot of people came together and discussed what happened in past episodes. <laughs> right, past beasts. Or yeah, so this was a great beginning of the year episode because it basically recapped, you know, shit that happened throughout the season already. Right. Because after that, Dorit and Erica have a sit down. Erica comes over to Reitz and basically fills her in on what happened after she left. Because if you remember at Crystal's, as soon as, you know, shit got hot, Dorit was like, I'm out. <laughs> she was like, all right, well, I'm going to go. You're not going to turn on my ass to live. Uh, right. So Erica kind of lets her know how things ended up between her and Denise. At the same time, Sutton and Garcelle they have their video chat to kind of talk about Garcelle's perspective and how she felt being labeled as an attacker of right. Dorit. Yeah, and, and Garcelle, I just think that she she's she's missing some valuable moments where she, yeah, you don't want to teach no one, but you're going to have to teach someone how to be effective friend to you effect you you're gonna have to if someone's not doing something appropriate in your life you may have to teach them how to do those things to help you be around them or to receive the love that you want to receive from them i think she just doesn't like dorit mm-hmm. i think so much she has passed on that you just have a disdain for her and it's it's unless Dorit cuts her right arm, right arm off and Jesus come down and say, Garcelle, forgive her. It's not going to happen because she already has a certain precedent in her mind of who Dorit is. Yeah. So. Um, in addition to those two conversations, uh, Sutton later on gets feedback on her date that she had with the gentleman you think is gay. Because <laughs> he is. And He's um, like, you older white guy, but yeah, he's gay. Yeah, I, I didn't need this scene yeah like it's great but at the end of the day we all know Sutton ain't gonna get a man uh Kyle and Kim have their sit down where they discuss Big Kathy Lil Kathy and all the case now I love this scene because I really love where Kim is in her life she just looks so healthy at peace and centered yes absolutely it was refreshing to see you know kyle with a sister and it not be 
tense and <laughs> like, not be a tense scene. A fight or something going on. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that they've they've went through stuff and like you said, Kim just she just has her wits about her now. She's back to her old self and and she's trying to play mediator, which I think she always maybe has done in her life because she's mm-hmm. a little child of between Kathy and and Kyle, but. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think there's some underlying shit that Kathy said that Cal is having a hard time forgiving or want to move past, or vice versa. And I think just mainly Kyle is in this new chapter of life where she's no longer taking people's shit. She's not right. taking Mauricio's shit. Right. She don't want to take yeah, Kathy's shit because she straight up told Kim, like, what if that's a relationship I don't want in my life anymore? Yeah. Um, which I think is very big uh, of... A thing to do and when you're on that self-realization path you do see you know sometimes there are people in your life that just are, are just not conducive to who you are trying to be family or not yeah if you're trying to grow you can't take everyone with you and I've, I've that's the realization of coming to um, understand is that you know Sometimes you can't elevate people to move and walk in your path with you, and sometimes you just can't. And and sometimes you have to find the balance of how to, to work the two. And I think that Cal just needs to... Wait, no. Yeah, Cal just needs to um, give Kathy a little grace in this. And also, Kathy needs to harden her heart, harden her heart, harden her heart out and allow her relationship with her sister to not continue in this way and really for them to come back because they were fun together and they were we've fun. never seen all three of the sisters together at least on bravo um having a really good time maybe we've seen you know kim was there at kathy party but she was in the corner somewhere or something but not all three of them all three of them front and center yeah so yeah um, as later on, we actually get a scene with Crystal talking, <laughs> which is exciting. Um, to her husband, though, so it wasn't to the girls. It, which has been really weird. This entire season, we've only seen Crystal speak with her husband. Yeah, like we've never seen her talk to any of the other wives. But sure. Well, no, she she did in Portugal or what? Did they go to Portugal for a trip or something? They they've been to Vegas so far this year. Okay. Um, but yeah, she did talk briefly with Erica and that was like, edited it down to nothing. But in this conversation with her husband, Crystal touches on why she's been so quiet this season. And she shed light on the fact that the girls are all skinny now. And whenever she goes to social events, dinner parties, dinners, whatever, she can't help but be in her head about that and focus on how great they look and maybe how great she doesn't feel and she's you know fighting with herself mentally so that's usually why she's been so quiet and reserved this season yeah and sometimes silence is golden sometimes you need to sit in a piece of something and be still with it and people have to adjust to your shit I feel like we're always evolution we're always evolving and we're constantly changing, even if we don't want to do it. And I just think that um, Crystal understands, like, okay, this is my this is my time now to kind of 
show up when I need to show up. Because she also tells, tells the girls that, hey, I don't like to yell. And you guys all just want to yell. Like, she's like, mm-hmm. I talk, but you guys want me to yell. That's not me. I don't yeah. have to do all that, you know? So. Yeah, she was uh, uh, telling Garcelle that. But uh, speaking of Garcelle, the last major conversation of the episode was the sit down between Dorit and Garcelle where they air their grievances. Well, mainly Garcelle airs her grievances out to Dorit and tells her how Dorit saying that Garcelle was attacking her uh, affected her so much so to the point the very next day she just cried and drove to the beach and really didn't understand why it was uh, affecting her in the way that it was. And Dorit, you know, immediately apologized, but went on to explain to her, she uses that word very uh, liberally with all of the other ladies to which Bravo even showed like a multiple clips of her. And I'm so glad they did that. Uh, or of, not of just her, all of all the ladies attacked, using the like, word attack. And that's the thing. And so this is what I was saying earlier. Like we talked about this prior to recording that Garcelle needs to kind of calm down and give her, give Chris like give Dorit some grace because do I think Dorit said it in malicious, maliciously? No, I think Dorit's like, okay, listen, she's the type of person who say, got a friend who said, I don't see color, which is bad because you're like, if you don't see color, you can't see me if you're a person of color. Who they said that to? This happened to me several times. But I think that with that, and also not to make that statement um, acceptable, but what can make it acceptable or, or make you, me look at it differently is someone said, I'm treating you as equal as my other friends. So, and if the group says attack, which, like you said, the production showed that all the ladies at that point has said, you attacked me, not saying ourselves, but to each other. Um, it's like that's just a vernacular for the group, so you mm-hmm. can't take that on personally and be like, well, this has a different connotation for me. Like, yes and no. Like, sometimes it's too much to be too woke in certain situations, and I just think this is one. And I, don't, I don't know if they're doing this to get a rise out of Garcelle to say something to say something that could jeopardize her bag. Oh no, I think. I think it's twofold. I think that Garcelle just does not like Dorit. And she's bringing, you know, past interactions, past feelings, and, you know, resentment to this current situation. And making it heavier than what it actually is. Like you said, you don't have to... Every moment doesn't have to be a teachable moment. And it isn't Garcelle's place to educate everyone in her life. But... You also have to let people know how you want to be treated. Right. And if there is a particular word that they use and they use it with other people in your exact same friend group, then you have to let them know it has a different connotation specifically for you. And it makes you feel a certain type of way. Uh, Because I, I, I didn't see... I didn't see what was so heavy about the word attack. Now, if she were to have used the word aggressive, then for me it would have been differently because that is a word that is synonymous with black women, with black women yep. and tends to be used in a completely different way uh, depending on what race you are. But in this instance, I I think that 
Garcelle is putting it on so thick because she just does not like Dorit and she will never <laughs> like Dorit. And there's nothing that Dorit can say yeah. that will change that. Because in the sit down, Garcelle was condescending. Garcelle was nitpicking everything that Dorit did yeah. to the point Garcelle was like, why are you saying my name so much? And Gar- Dorit was like, I'm just... It's not talk. Like, like I'm fuck? just to put emphasis that I'm... He, you know, like well, I'm I felt, with you saying, "Hey, yeah. Garcelle, like it's, th- yeah." Garcelle just did way too fucking much for me on this episode. I think that it's Dorit didn't know. You can't fault her. She didn't know. Mm-hmm. She apologized empathetically. Like just let it be that. But sometimes we want to be so wrapped up in the ego and want to prove something to someone. It's like, okay, she's willing to learn. She's telling you, hey. I didn't mean it by that means, by, by no way that I intend that to come out the way you received it. And I, I, I'm sorry, you know, and you have to, at some point, accept someone's apology and move the fuck on. So. Yeah, that's, that only is if you want to move on with the person. Yeah, and I don't think she, I think Garcelle does, because Garcelle got nasty, got real nasty and rude. She's nasty and rude in this, in this episode. She really is. And it, it, pains me because this is someone who's so gorgeous someone who is so gorgeous and has a story to tell her and but she's doing some ugly things right now yeah well so hopefully things get a little bit prettier for the ladies next week yeah and that's it for the real housewives of beverly hills we can move on to married at first sight because they're Apparently, for some reason, um, Ralph Swartz of Potomac and Married to Medicine did not come on this past New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. <laughs> so, right. It was, they were like, listen, take a break. So, they are coming back this coming Sunday, I believe. Uh, so, we're on Married at First Sight, which, if you listen to last week's episode, I think is the worst reality show of the year. And this week, it only continued to prove why. Because the remaining couple, the remaining three couples that are still filming for the show, we pretty much got another confirmation that a divorce is going to happen. So now we're down to two couples. The only ones that are still, the only ones that haven't made up their minds yet is Austin and Rebecca. And Emily and Brennan. Now, to talk, to talk back a little to your point, you mentioned the fact that we found another couple that's going to divorce. I didn't like the game that he he proposed to, for them to disclose that information. You're talking I about Cameron. Like, yeah, I thought yeah. it was some fuck nigga shit. Um, jokey, jokey, whatever, but it's like you also want to know the truth about the matter. It just didn't sit well with me. Um, I think he's just over it. I think that he, you can tell between he and Claire and Claire even admitted it this week that she's changed her mind and she's gone back and forth a lot with how she's felt and her wanting to be a part of the process. Mm. And I think that was his way on camera because he's mentioned on the show and the after party that she tends to be one way on camera and another way off camera. And I think that was him holding her feet to the fire in that moment, saying, okay, we're in front of other couples and the camera, so let me put this on front street. And I think he did it more so specifically for her to answer as opposed to the other couples. Uh, Maybe he did, maybe 
doing it in front of the other couples, it would make it easier. And she did. She finally said, hell no, this ain't it. Like, let's separate. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's just all he wanted because he mentioned in this episode too, Cameron, that he was falling for her. Right. Um, so it, he just needed to either her to vocalize that she wanted to stay in this so he can continue investing himself or she wanted to be out of it so he could cut that off. I was trying to still understand the issue they had. It was a physical situation. Like It was. It, it's frustrating. Yeah. Uh, but no more frustrating than Emily and Brennan. That, to me, they have surpassed Lauren and Orion as the most frustrating couple because... Emily, she's light, she's bubbly, she's always smiling and always positive, regardless of the circumstance. And saying, you know what, today's a new day. We're going to, you know, try being there for one another. Yes. And Brendan is just like Why? blank face. Yes. We're going to you're doing it a day at a time, just taking it a day at a time. Like he's doing a prison sentence. Right. And it's like, you don't have to, you know, you can say, I want out. Yes. I say no to this process. I, let me be. And he, and it the most frustrating thing is he's still so vague as to what turned him off yeah. of her. Because at the wedding, they're all gung-ho. In the beginning of the um, honeymoon, they were all gung-ho. But something happened. I don't know if she shared something with him. I don't know what the situation was. I have a I have a theory. <laughs> I have a theory. I don't think the people were friends. You're not ready for this theory. You, I if, think that she. If you have a vagina, I apologize right now. I think that he divulged. No, it's not that. I okay. think that he di- I think that she divulged something to him that turned him off and is repelling him and keeping him from opening up to her. I think she told him she's got the herp. Or something that. I'm going or to something. No, son, <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. Or something that could possibly affect him to make him so closed off from her. And you have to remember, he kept saying when they had their one-on-one with Pastor Kyle, he was like, you know, I don't want to bring it up out of respect for her. I don't want to. Because Pastor Kyle was like, what happened? What's going on? And he kept skirting around the issue and saying, you know, it's not for me to say or I don't want to throw her under the bus. So it's something pertaining to her that she either did or told him. I don't think it was the weave either. So it's something about her that, and you know, at first I was like, well, does her pussy stink? Like what, you know, like bodily issue. Hygiene is a biggie. pH balance. But I don't know. I think it's a little bit more than that. And, you know, he hinted at her being a party girl at one night stands. I truly feel this. It, it could be the alliance of that that you just that you just said right now, um, because he can have an idea. Some men have an idea of what they want their wife to be. You know, um, untethered, all type. Of, you know, what I'm saying They'll not touch pure, clean, whatever whatever adjectives you want to use for that. Um, and I think he just he's. Showing us that that's how he's seeing her, you know, that as she is used goods and she was a, a good time party girl. Well, in addition to that, we have Austin and Rebecca who are clearly, <laughs> they clearly like each other, but they're 
putting way too much pressure onto their future and how they're going to raise their kids, uh, uh, Christian or agnostic, and they're she's crying because he said she's basically going to hell. <laughs> she's but one way ticket was... to hell. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to miss you in heaven, boo. <laughs> and that really fucked her up. But it was a good conversation to have because a lot of times, you know, if, if, once you're in a relationship sometimes, you don't really discuss those things prior to. Yes. So the fact that they are having this now speaks volumes because, again, that deaf conversation for, for people can be scary. You know, uh, they don't want to have that and deal with it. Um, so I think they can work out together. It's just, if she's, if he's willing to understand her and she's willing to understand his culture and buy into it, they can definitely be successful. I think that's why they pair them together because they feel like they know they can process this. If this, any challenge that they have together and it's not going to be a difficult situation. Well, hopefully from your mouth to God's ears, but just... You know, Rebecca won't believe that <laughs> it has reached God's ears. But are you excited that Michael is going to be paired with a, a backup bitch? No. And he's back on our TVs with his crown and his hair. sassy pants. So if you guys didn't know who Michael was, Michael is the first room to be ever left at the altar. Um, the, the bride came down. I'm not going to say she saw a lick and was like, all right, I can't do this no more. But... She walked down the aisle, and then she was kind of ambivalent anyway. And you didn't, we didn't see her wedding party. Um, we didn't even see her. No, at all. Except her picture is online. If you, if you Google Google season 16, no, this is season 20. Season something, I don't know. Uh, 15, I want to say. Just um, Google Married at First Sight Denver. And you'll see her. Um, but, yeah, I, I just... I don't care about him. I know he was on the after party. That's just not enough that it's like, I want to see more from you. I don't let him figure it out on his own. I think that what one of his friends said the best. She was like, you know, you went to this process already. They were supposed to find you someone and they did. And that person ran from you. Like, that's just not cool. And also to protect his mental health. Cause again, if, he gets paired again. Now you have this whole process. You already have the lingering situation of being left at the altar. And so that can be bad for a psyche. Yeah. Um, it could be all bad. But hopefully next week it will be better for the remaining participants of the show. Because right now, without you know bringing back... Michael, it would literally just be two couples. <laughs> so, uh, so Lifetime was like, we got to do something. Yeah, and I hope, have three, minimum three. And I hope that this is a wake up call for production mm-hmm. and the network for next season. That's it's like, vetting. stop doing, yeah, vet people more. One, make sure that people that are doing this actually know what it is right. and want to do it. Exactly. And the people that you pair together, you pair because you actually think that they have a future, not just because you think it's going to be entertaining and drama because it never works out that way. It never does. Um, so, but that's Married at First Sight. Yeah, that and is Married at First Sight. And next, we actually have the brand new season of RuPaul's Drag Race. This is the beginning. Are you are season you, six? Can you believe it's fucking season? 
season 16. We've had 16 seasons of drag come across our television in America. Like, that's craziness to me. I'm I'm excited. I have missed it. But I must admit, it wasn't this season, I think, that it's finally starting to lose a little of its luster. Because I wasn't as geeked up seeing the Meet the Queens mm-hmm. or as, like, investigate. Like, I, before I would go see who these queens are. Right. Now, I was like, I'll just see it when it comes on. I feel like the rollout was, was shitty and crappy. And it wasn't that grand. I don't know if that's because budget, because of... The money being sent to Ukraine, I don't know, but it just <laughs> what? the budget. They don't have the budget, so they because they send the money to Ukraine. So I don't know if they can afford, you know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the rollout. That's the, the rollout. Didn't seem like it was a big deal. Normally, the rollout is a huge deal. We watch on Rule count off five days before RuPaul. Um, their advertisement is always something going on. They show parts of the show. And this rollout just wasn't that great. It wasn't that great. That's what I'm talking about. Got it. So this uh, first week's episode is a split premiere. So we only got half of the girls. Yes, Uh, which is great. Hot take: I hate it. I you do. I hate split premieres. Just do all. Bring all these bitches in at once. Bring it old school. Like let's do it old school. I hate I hate that they uh, the last few seasons they've broken up the premieres, but this season they uh, have they have brought back some new things, some old things. Yeah. So there is always a twist with Drag Race every every year now, and the twist this year is they've brought back being safe. Like, if you win a challenge, you have immunity. Right. The, the twist with that is, it's not immunity for the following week. It's immunity that you can bank whenever you want to use it. Mm-hmm. Which is exciting, but also kind of sucks. Because <laughs> there will be that time where a bitch should have went home and needs to go home. But mm-hmm. she can just pull that immunity out. And it's like, damn, you're there you safe. Uh, but also, there's a rate a queen feature. So basically, what they did was they had someone was watching the circle, and RuPaul at the same time was like, "Oh, let's marry this together," because that's what it is. It literally is the circle, but with a different shape. It's a triangle, and <laughs> right. all of the girls have to basically say who is their top and who is their least favorite of the week, and that is who determines who is in the top two. Of the week, and whoever's in the top two of the week now lip syncs uh, for money. So, kind of like merging the all stars concept. Yes. And I don't know how they're going to do eliminations because, spoiler alert, no one gets eliminated this week and they won't get eliminated next week. Um, so, we won't figure out how this new process fully works until the third episode. Yeah, because I think just looking at it, that it would be. You had the top two girls. The girls of the girls that Rue calling say this is the top girl. Like he's leaving it into the queens to say, who is your top? And then we'll pick from that to whoever lip sync will, will will win. But also, that's also the girls judging. Okay, well you feel this girl's the weakest, the weaker girls because and it's if they do it off of the ledger, which would be the ledger is 
the commentary from the judges, everything should go smooth. But they can go off of friendships, alliances, or yeah, what have you. That's what makes it a little sticky. Right. So that's what but that's that that's what makes it a game. And that's when you play the game and, and that's the twist in terms of RuPaul's Drag Race. So let's really quickly go down the list of the ladies that we met in this episode. Okay. We have Sapphira Cristal. Yes, living for her. From Philadelphia. We have Come on, Philly. Q from Kansas City. Come on, Q. Q dog. Amanda Tory Meeting from Los Angeles. That's a mandatory meeting. Uh, Don from Brooklyn. Don is cute. Don is cute. I like Don. Uh, Morphine Love Dion from Miami. Next. We have uh, Mirage from Las Vegas. All right, like a little Mirage at nighttime. And finally, we have Tsunami Muse uh, from the legendary house of Muse from New York. Yes, okay. She's the daughter of your bestie, Candy Muse. Her mother fucking sucks, but yeah, she she's she's cute. Okay, so out of these girls, this specific list from this week, who are you rooting for? Do you think that the winner is in this bunch? The winner is definitely in this bunch. Um, because we see a preview for the girls, the second openers, and it's not that great. I'll be pissed off if I was on this show and I was part two in the in the group two. Right, part group two never <laughs> gets the bigger celebrity. No. Uh, last year they didn't even get a celebrity. Yep. It was Ariana Grande for the first group and fucking uh, <laughs> another drag queen for the second. Yeah, was it Pork Chop or something? Probably. Uh, no, it was the black one. But yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, La 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 Rue. No, no, I can't think her name. But yeah. anyway, I think that this new rating skill is is amazing. It's great. I do feel like the winner is in the workroom currently. Um, that was earlier, well, last the first season, the first episode. Uh, I think the winner's there because Safari, is it Sapphire, Safari? Sapphira. Sapphira. Amazing, hands down. And um, that's, that's one of my top two. And Q. Q is another top two, too. Yeah, I think those are. And honorable mention is uh, a mandatory meeting. She, is she. Pulls it together. If she does her makeup completely. Different. If she does her makeup a little better, she can be a contender. She she has that growth into to metamorphosize into a drag superstar. I just love her name. I would give her. I would give her the crown <laughs> or Miss Congeniality at the least, just for her name alone. I love a double entendre. Um, Make that a double entendre. But yeah, so. That was Drag Race. We have the two girls that were picked for the top uh, of the week. It went to Q and Sapphira because right. they were clearly uh, the most polished and ahead of the game. One thing that I will say that I appreciate about the season so far is it looks like they're getting back to drag. Just girls that can do drag really good. Not any TikTok bitches. Not any, you know... <laughs> Watch I hit those shit get spice so hard, baby. No, because it is people that actually can perform. People yeah. that can put on a show cool and, host. and do drag. People that can do drag, not just put on makeup to look pretty. Boys <laughs> in um, a dress. Yeah, just not boys in a dress. But yeah, so the top two of the week were Sapphire and Q. They lip synced against one another to Beyonce's 
Break My Soul. Yes, come on. That shit was banging. Now, we went to see it last night at uh, Heart and was Hollywood because that's how we normally used to watch Drag Race. We would go either there, Trunks, and we had a good time. We met some people. Shout out to the homie Mike. Met So, we met um, him. He was standing by you and, and myself. And he was just enjoying himself. He shared with me that he lives on the, he's Indian, I'm sorry, he's Native American, excuse me, and he lives on the reservation, and, and he's from a Navajo tribe, nice. so it took him six hours to drive from Navajo, uh, the tribe. tribe where he lives, to Phoenix, six hours, and then he flew an hour and a half to LA. Ooh, that's commitment. It, baby, that's why he was having a good time last night, that he was turning it out, I was like, okay. Um, I wanted to ask him about, like, well, I did, while in the club, you can only say so much to a person. Um, I was like, well, how was, you know, life there for you? He was like, not like this. But he didn't make, he mentioned something to me that I, it made me sad. And I mentioned it to you. I don't know if you heard me or not. But he was at the bar and he's a little taller than me, you know, uh, thick dude, but he's slender than me. And he mentioned to the fact that, Someone looked in his direction at the bar. He was getting his cocktail and said, Oh, you're not cute. And then turned their head back and then went talk to their friends. And I said, Are you serious? My nigga was like, Yes, yeah. said, What you want to go do? He was like, Nah, it's, it's, it's cool. It's cool. But I'm like, That's not cool at all. Like, just for you to look at someone and say, Oh, you're ugly. Like, are we in GI or elementary school right now? Well, yeah, in a gay club, that's usually the tone. <laughs> that's why I'm not obsessed with going to them like that. But, yeah, when you told me last night, I was like, oh, what am I supposed to do with this information? But, yeah, it's very unfortunate. People are rude and yeah. unnecessary. But that's RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> and next week we have part two coming. And so I'm excited for We always love Drag Race. Uh, we are big components of the show and also the artistry and everything like that so friends that's going to wrap up this this week's episode of oh, that's my game friend please email us if you have any comments questions or concerns about the show the quality of the show or anything you guys are watching that we may be missing we would love for you to email us at oh that's my game friend at gmail.com um also any comments or about anything we talked about you want to participate in the polls that we have? Please go to our IG page at Oh That's My Gay Friend on Instagram. Friends, you have given us about an hour and a half of your time. You have 22 hours left for yourself. Enjoy this new year. Let's make new new year new friends, okay? Until next time, bye, bye friends. friends. Today's episode of Oh That's My Gay Friend is brought to you by the letter A. Hey, listen. Did y'all really think we were going to teach you guys something? (laughs) This podcast is just to have a kiki with my husband. Tune in next Friday for an all new episode of Oh, That's My Gay Friend. Follow us on Instagram at Oh, That's My Gay Friend or email us your questions at Oh, That's My Gay Friend at gmail.com. Until then, see you next time, friends.